This Future Construct podcast episode is supported by Applied Software. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. So visit asti.com, it's A-S-T-I.com, and please let them know that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm Amy Peck, host of Future Construct Podcast. Today, we have Christina Savian, who is the founder and CEO of BeWise, and who's also the host of the weekly Clubhouse series, House of Digital Twins. Welcome, Christina. Hi, thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. So we have a lot to cover today. Uh, I, and I definitely want to talk about House of Digital Twins because I think that's okay. a really compelling <laughs> topic. But I, you know, you have such an interesting background, and I'd love to hear a little bit just about like what was your journey and what led you to start BeWise. Okay, so you want me to start from the end or from the beginning? Well, <laughs> uh, de- you know, depending on which has the best dramatic effect. Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> Uh, well, um, so the boring bit, but, you know, I started my career in 1998. So, yeah, over uh, 22 years ago, um, I'm originally from a town in the north of Italy called Torino, uh, where I'm actually uh, at the moment. Um, I'm home, um, managing some personal uh, family business. So, yeah. I think it's the first time ever I do a podcast in my hometown. And, oh, but yeah, it is actually. Uh, so anyway, so I studied my career and um, I, um, I started as a chartered land surveyor. Uh, that's how I basically started the industry. I've always been fascinated with open spaces. And um, I studied the both land survey, building survey, and then immediately went to land. <laughs> I was not interested in buildings. Um, uh, but be more like be out there all the time. Um, and um, yeah, I worked um, here for a few years. Uh, but then in 2005, I moved to London. I spent over 15 years <laughs> based in London working uh, for like local authorities, uh, worked for the London Olympics. So, was, uh, so yeah, it's always very uh, strange this time of the year when you know, we have the Olympics on because you know what is behind. Um, and amazing, fascinating machine. And I can't even imagine what it's like doing it through this special, you know, interesting time uh, we are all going through. So, yeah, I cannot even imagine the logistics of that. But anyway, and the complexity, which is really difficult, I think is just on a different level. However, uh, anyway, and then um, I always been a technologist. So what happened is uh, while working in uh, some one of the local authorities uh, in uh, London in Greenwich, I started working in uh, some interesting pieces, and I was always the person says, you know, we can find a better way of doing this, and we're wasting a lot of you know uh, time, and we can improve things, and so I did, and I end up uh, apparently creating. Um, a pretty clever uh, technology solution, which 
uh, was actually discovered because uh, it was using some of the Autodesk products. So Autodesk discovered what it did. Not surprised, a couple of years later, I was headhunted by them, looking after, and I started looking after the um, technology, the technical sales for pre-sales for North Europe. So I had a traveling job, which it's very strange to say these days. But I was doing like three, four times a countries a week sometimes wow just you know yeah I know but you know Europe is like an hour you know not enough you know pretty much for yeah so anyway so uh yeah so I had um you know amazing time just traveling mostly across Europe bit of America uh moved across the organization started working on major um looking after major accounts work in America India um and then the threat and then I just said, it's time to for me to do something different. Um, I started the career obviously quite early, but I started studying in you know the evening and I actually throughout you know my career I managed to collect um few academic degrees from civil engineering to business. And at the time I was actually finishing my um executive MBA in Cambridge, the University of Cambridge. And then I just said, you know what, I I need a change. I need something different. And to be honest, I never really expected to start my own business. But what happened, I knew I was not happy with what I had. <laughs> and so one day I just quit my job. So I did, like literally like that with no plan whatsoever. <laughs> and and then one night I picked my you know, the the company and I was absolutely sure I was going to fail. Like for sure I was going to fail. It was just like it's not possible. This is gonna work. Um the next day I so I picked be wise, business environment wise. I not entirely sure what part of my brain I was going to sell. And and then I sent five emails the next day five emails with my new email address and honestly generally those emails said uh hi this is my new email address uh I said I'm my own business well you know what I know right so if you need me you know where to find me literally no service like like nothing like no plan whatsoever I just decided that I was going to basically, you know, go out there and just say, well, people know me. I'm not obviously, right? So I think if they think I can help, they would reach out. And so they did. Wow. I received a phone call from some Fian people in North of France, sorry, South of France, uh, when I was one of startups, new CEO, actually, to desk, uh, raised the cash. Jumped on a plane, went to the Antipolis, helped them with adaptation of uh, this new product for construction. And then the next month, I was um, uh, to the you know the product launch in LA. And then I came back to London. And then literally, all customers just came coming, and it was absolutely <laughs> I don't know. It was yeah unexpected but I never had to really advertise myself I just had to be myself just shop events and say this is where I am and this is what I think I can do so I started working with a lot of uh, startups uh, that have products for construction so using my engineering 
uh, knowledge and industry knowledge, uh, the technology experience, as well as the business experience, um, and just like combine all together and basically help them uh, to figure out how to bring the product to market that, as you know, it's uh, not easy to innovate in the industry. Um, and uh, in the last few years, um, I started also working with um, the very, very large uh, organizations that not often, they often, they're exposed to the big, big, big names, and, but often they're missing the point solutions that actually fix some of the, you know, um, uh, the issues and the problems they had. So, um, yeah, started working with them. And then, yes, in the last few years, um, started actually as a very personal interest. Um, I started um, all of like, my digital twin, uh, <laughs> you know, world, and I started like this journey into this uh, digital twin uh, world. So what happened is, it was um, uh, the 14th of August uh, of 2018. I was actually in London, um, and um, what happened? The uh, Morandi Bridge collapsed uh, here in Italy. Mm originally and now it's been rebuilt not too far away from here it's the way how you get to the seaside um and honestly generally my heart sunk I just say this is not possible you can't we can't have I mean I know I would have you know I've been working mostly with civil infrastructures and trying to innovate and as a professional been trying to drive innovation in the industry, it's, it's just unacceptable. Not because I I know this, see our civil infrastructure, you know, worldwide is failing, but the fact that we don't see that happening, like we can't prevent, and we have a major event like that, you know, with 43 people dying, um, it was just unacceptable for me. Uh, so I started looking at what could have prevented that from happening. And then actually when I started this uh, digital uh, twin um, journey and it was happening is I was actually in London doing a, a lecture um, at the UCL Bartlett School of Construction it was an evening lecture public and opening and I started to share I decided to share some of the work that I was doing when at the time nobody was talking about digital twin. it was only a couple of years ago and what happened was the week of the Gemini principle uh, being published uh, in the UK uh, which is also one of the major pieces of work that completely changed and the landscape for the last few years. And uh, since then, I, I kind of like, you know, I've been basically, um, you know, involved with, you know, all of this the digital, you know, tea work that um, also in the last, you know, few months. So I started, yeah, in March, um, I decided to, I discovered this new um, uh, social media hub uh, called uh, yes. Clubhouse. And um, honestly, just one day and decided, that's it, I'm starting a club. And a couple of weeks uh, earlier, I published, so I've been uh, blogging and writing, you know, articles, some of my experiences, and being always very open sometimes um, about the frustrations on being a professional trying to innovate and all the obstacles you have. And in that case, a few, year, a few months, a few weeks earlier, I was doing this um, 
um, I wrote this article and it was about this experience that, yeah, I can share. It was about Saudi Arabia <laughs> and the big must be. And then my frustration, and I really felt how I was in the middle of the after cars, you know, and the plot and all those dynamics and the politics and everything. So, and I called that article House of Digital Twins, right? Basically, recalling all those similarities. And that, that's it, it was Clubhouse. So for me, there was not even a question how I was going to call it. <laughs> and exactly. since then, uh, we now have 700 members. I had amazing people that start joining me um, in uh, running some of, obviously, uh, the rooms. So we run rooms in English on a Tuesday. Um, Wednesday tends to be German. Thursday um, is Italian. And then we have um, recently also uh, started with French. Uh, wow. <laughs> and wow. uh, we have, yeah, we have, uh, we, we, we ran uh, 50 rooms uh, in total, which was <laughs> massive, massive achievement in, uh, you know, only a few months. We actually took holiday break um, for August. And now we are planning uh, the new schedule. So as a format, now we I don't know if you know how familiar you are with Clubhouse. People just, oh, yeah, people know, just come in. And then, people yeah. just come in. And um, we normally have one guest speaker. So and we pick a topic and one main speaker or a couple of speakers which are very, very interested into uh, new, um, you know, the, the topic or very experienced and very knowledgeable and they share their knowledge. And I think... There is, from my experience, one of the most fascinating things, especially for, you know, as you know, the moment everyone talks about digital twin, right? And everyone talks about the theory on how and the benefits and the challenges and so on. But everything is, most of this content is filtered, is marked and it's polished. So what happened is I discovered on, Clubhouse, you see, you find the unfiltered versions most of the time yeah. because those conversations, they, you know, they're gone. I mean, we don't record this, but, you know, the um, rooms people have been asking, why don't you record the rooms? And everything is like, no, you have to be there because that's the whole purpose because you're going to hear something, you know, we're not recording, right? So either that or, you know, and it's gone. So people open up. People really say, I had enough of these people, you know, or, you know, call it, you know, bullshit or, you know, whatever, <laughs> call it BS, BS. But, you know, this is, you know, this is it. So, and I think there's been an outstanding experience, um, especially as a consultant, as I, you know, work on many different, you know, type of contracts um, in the last year and a half, my uh, uh, long-term partner decided to accept a job in Australia, uh, which meant I also relocated myself in the middle of, you know, launching my business, uh, but also, you know, expanding, you know, usually, you know, my network and now it's like literally, um, you know, uh, global. And what I found fascinating, the challenges are, you know, the same. And we all try to be, I think we all know the answer most of the time. But for some reasons, we're too afraid to speak up, to share them. Or if we do, we do in this type of environments. And I don't know, we're worried to be judged on, you know, and so on. So honestly, it's been, um, yeah, 
I think uh, a very, yeah, unexpected um, yeah, surprise. So, yeah, now I'm uh, wondering how it's going to go, obviously, what's going to be the next 50 rooms. Well, I see a recurring theme, which I'd like to talk about after the break. We're going to take a very quick listen to our sponsors, and we will be right back. This episode of the Future Construct podcast is supported by the amazing team at Applied Software. They have solutions for any modern project. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and being the champions of innovation with their real-world expert consultants. They have a comprehensive suite of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing, and they have a singular focus to help you achieve higher performance. They have software, training, support, consulting, and custom development. Applied Software has you absolutely covered for all of your workflow needs. And BIM Designs is proud to be a client and partner of Applied Software. So visit asti.com, that is A-S-T-I.com, and please let them know that Feature Construct and BIM Designs sent you. And we are back with Christina Savian and talking about so many cool things, not, not the least of which is her um, crazy clubhouse adventure, which seems to be expanding um, at, at, a, at an exponential rate. Um, but I have noticed a pattern in your career, um, and you've used the word unexpected to talk about both your leap into what I like to call the abyss of consulting. I'm right there with you. I've been there. I know what it feels like. Um, I like the fact that you, you said, you know, I I don't even know which part of my brain people are going to want to use. And that was actually a really cool statement because I think we forget that people, even if they have the specialty in one particular thing, and you, you know, you've done what is now becoming required and will be required as we move forward, but you did it naturally and ahead of the curve, which was this, this journey of lifelong learning, right? Where you continued to get advanced degrees, you continued to study. I'm not entirely sure when you slept through that whole period of time (laughs) while you were working in Europe and getting advanced degrees. Um, But, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, what, what is the, you know, kind of importance of, having the, the level of confidence, you know, for you, um, and, and even just to inspire others to say, look, I know this inside and out and just pick a lane and go. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because I was uh, actually just about to say clubhouse is then, you know, my new uh, degree, like it's my new life learning every day. I'm learning something new that I didn't know before. So it, it you know, hasn't stopped really. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, um, I think it was, uh, I certainly decided that, you know, we, life is, um, I think you get to a point where, you know, life is too, your life is rich, life is short. Um, and you only get to do it once. Uh, and you make, of course, other mistakes, but it's up to you to um, go through and change and make those changes and make you happy. I think for me, probably, uh, I always, we only know how we are um, ourselves, right? We don't know exactly, I'm 100% sure how other people perceive us, or we, sometimes we don't understand why they are who they are. We only really know truly, maybe, um, mostly ourselves. So. And I think the self-acceptance is the 
probably the first where we need to start. We need to start to accept our naturally guessed uh, the things that learn and basically trying to discover what we're very good at or we're naturally, um, you know, lead towards and then compared to other people. And third, certainly, um, which I actually discovered later in life, um, I had a very particular um, childhood um, that made me learn and certain things, right? So for me, losing those degrees while working full time, it's nothing because I learned a particular skill when I was little, um, which allowed me to be very strict with my time and with my timekeeping and location and goal setting and doing the things that I wanted to achieve. Um, so obviously that it's I had to accept that that was part of me and one of the things that I knew but certainly the part I had to accept is some people are born to be always on the discovery phase and always be on this edge where okay what is next what is next or what what is next right and some people get exhausted right to be always in this constant I need to learn more and more and more and more and more and more and more. But for me, in the moment I stop, then it's when it's just, this is just not me, right? So I'm only really comfortable on that. And so I think for me, it was difficult to, I had to find a kind of a job or role where I had to, I could be truly myself, right? And I think one of the things is I'm not really very, I'm not very good with boundaries. You can't really put me in a box. It's really the people tried and trust me, it's just impossible, right? Um, so I had to also, you know, find a career, you know, especially, you know, now where I, I didn't have those boundaries, people or, you know, being like part of a big company or anything, just give me those, you know, boundaries that for me they were just too limiting I have to be able to go in the direction I feel that is right so in my case I start just like really following my guts and when I started my business because you know you, you are it's in, you, I don't know if it was the same for you right because everyone is different in my case I made a list of the things that I thought were very important and my new job really and really need to have and I think if it works, if you really made, you know, if you really treat yourself and you actually picked and you've been honest, I think this is the reason why it worked for me because I didn't have to work hard. I just, I think, I just start selecting the right things that were right things for me because I still don't understand why it happened like so naturally, organically without me even trying. Um, and I think... You know, I was, I, I mentored the MBA at, um, at MIT in Melbourne. Um, so I've been, you know, sh I share, you know, in our meetings, you know, some of the tips, you know, and everything, because obviously a lot of people want to start here. And I just say, trying to figure out, you know, who you are. And then I can tell you, you're going to pick the best, you know, things. If you are, you know, meant to be an entrepreneur, you're going to become an entrepreneur. If you're meant to be, you know, leading large organization and, you know, and you are going to do that, right? Um, and then don't forget, maybe 
you are meant to be a, a dog. You're meant to be the best mom. You're meant to be, you know, doing, you know, not necessarily like professionally, right? So it's sometimes like we forget some of our fulfillments, you know, come 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 from. So um, yeah, I guess in my case, I tried to yeah find what what does fulfill me, and I can tell you that you know honestly, after three years, I wouldn't have survived three years, and also <laughs> well, you know, we went through uh, for the last few years. Um, and including expanding <laughs> all the world, um, but you know it keeps going and the requests keep coming, <laughs> and so I think I just need to accept this what I'm meant to do. Um, will I do this for the? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if one day I decide. You know what? Now it's time for me to do something. If I don't know, for the moment, it's certainly um, what I supposed to do. Yeah. Well, I think I love, you know, I love that this, the way you described kind of being on the edge because I, I, I think that there's really something to that in, in terms of, and you also mentioned that you, there were certain skills that you learned when you were younger that we, I don't think we necessarily kind of globally appreciate or think. And, and one of them is sort of around actually the, the, the creative thinking part and there's some educational systems that put more focus on creativity than others, but mostly it's about kind of funneling us all through into this much more linear path. And I think that the way technology is involved, evolving, we, we kind of have to do something different and we have to urge kids to be more kind of exploratory. And, and that living on the edge is something, it again, feeds into the lifelong learning we're at a stage now where there's no other option than for us to continue learning because technology is evolving so quickly. Um, And I don't want to go too far down this because I want to go back to the being honest in clubhouse. Okay. (laughs) Well, because it's hard for people in big corporate jobs to say certain yeah. things because you've yeah. got Marcom. Um, I would never pass uh, Marcom's tests for, you know, what to say and what not to say. So that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, and because I, I, and I don't want to either. I think I, I, I think I like bringing up the things that, that, you know, are wrong and are difficult. Um, and, you know, you talked about digital twins and how people are, are angry because I think we all have this vision that, well, all you do is you just like, do a, you know, a scan or you take a 3d asset and then that's your digital twin. And and then like, it just stops there and it's magically one of the building blocks. And now everyone won't shut up about the metaverse. Um, oh my God. Like if I hear one more person who actually doesn't even I know. Work in the space, go on an hour long discussion on what the metaverse is. I just, I can't take it, but um you know, what are, are some of the things that you're hearing that are that are really the honest challenges of like, how do we leverage digital twins? Because the promise is magical, right? It's the digital twin, which is then smart buildings, which is wired into smart cities, which then becomes the AR cloud. That's a thing of beauty, but that's going to be really hard from a technological standpoint. Uh, yeah, that is the challenge. I think that for many aspects, it's just, you know, trying, you know, well, you know, they're trying to sell us utopia. <laughs> and I think, you know, because um, I, you know, I, I started, as I say, to start researching on my own at the back of, 
what could have that you know prevented that bridge to collapse uh what could have prevented you know the greenfell you know tower you know event yeah, yeah. um i can tell you that as a london it, it's just it's it just uh, you know staring and watching at those events and i'm sure you know in, in us seeing you know the building in you know in, in florida yeah it, you know you, you you see that it's just like this right so we can definitely do better and i think that is where we should the way we should think about it um uh at the moment i can tell you this the uh most um asked question was what's the definition of digital twin and i can see and can tell you that there is no agreement and guess what we will never agree there is just no global international you know organization even if some company you know organization have set you know to do that but the reality is there is how many countries, how many nationalities, you know, we can't just listen, in, you know, necessarily to the, like the English, what the English word says, right? We also need to be able to be global and accept. So I can tell you this, it's absolutely impossible to ever agree on, you know, his definition. I think what we have to look at is start from the concept that was, you know, started like, you know, 15 years ago and what is you know creating this digital repl- representation of, you know digital representation which helps you to understand you know your asset so the way i come in i'm actually going to give you my definition the one i cloned yeah which i think just summarizes you know everything but the way i see it is we can't go and analyze our build asset it just we can't do that we analyze the building we can't analyze our civil infrastructure yeah i spent the entire morning you know with a customer and we're discussing digital twins of you know offshore um oil rig yeah you can't be there you just can't be there right so all you're looking for is what is that you know digital representation so the digital replica they will help you to analyze and to make those decisions right because you just can't do it you know with the beta and that's it you know that's really what is the you know digital twin is just the ability to have to to have the digital world helping you to figure things that you can't really do in real life and of course, then they come to where, oh, you know, well, okay, how are we going to do this? We need to scan this, and then we're going to bring all the technology, okay, let's maybe start adding some sensors, let's start, you know, using drones, you know. That. So you can immediately see how it's just, you know, bringing in technology is just, right, to fulfill, you know, a need. I think one of the things certainly that I found is sometimes they'll say, oh, we have to create a digital, why? You know, why we're not, you know, we're, we're not creating it just for the sake of it, right? It's not that necessarily every single build asset is this digital thing. Come on, it comes with a cost, right? So it's about what does the digital replica allows you to analyze. And of course, and is when you think about, oh, let's think about predictive mountain. Oh, you know, if I had this data, I could save so much. And you can admit, oh, you know what? If I could model this, I know exactly when I have to maintain it and I can avoid the collapse 
Yeah, those are really the answer that we're trying to, you know, uh, the question we're trying to answer. So, and um, it's sometimes I think at the moment from, you know, because it's this so like buzzword, sometimes we're like, you know what, we're just trying to answer the question. So to put it into perspective, I'm going to give you my definition. I think to summarize really what Judith Cohen is. So as a construction professional, yeah, we are the artists of the built environment who carefully select the materials to be applied. A digital twin is the combination of the canvas with the integrated inherited understanding of our existing built asset and how they interact with the previous, the current and the future generations. That is where, okay. is that on your website, I hope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably should have like many times. I know, I had, um, I highly- I presented this in- Yeah, <laughs> so we're gonna have to, we'll, we'll make sure it's in the notes um, when we release this, because I, I can highly do really recommend you yeah. go to Christina's uh, website. Um, cause it's, it is, is, as you would imagine, it's beautiful, um, uh, but it's very informative. And then I know has links to all of your other podcast appearances. Um, even though we hope this is going to be the most fun and most watched. Of course, of course. But you know, so, and I, I claim this, you know, for, um, maybe, you know, I was doing a keynote in Helsinki in 2019. I mean, I can tell you this at that time, there was nothing. Like there was not even a publication on this topic, yeah. Oh, yeah. right? And um, yeah, so I published, you know, 2019 with the Institute of Engineer and you know Environment, uh, sorry, Institute of Engineer and Environment IT in London, um, one of the first like white papers like on this, right? And it's uh, you know how many hundreds of documents actually I have one organization that just asked me uh, to help them to write, you know, a paper for their uh, member um, members organization and I can tell you this now the problem is that it's just too much <laughs> and you need to select very carefully and yeah. that is when sometimes I just like to cut through the nose and just say you know what that's what that. we're after right they talk yeah. yeah the vision yeah. and yeah it's like it is there is something about kind of keeping it simple and and you know I, I definitely want to call out the the fact that you know it's and I think this is true of any technology. It's what do you want to do? What is the utility? Then you look at the technology and figure out what technology you need, how much of it you need um, to accomplish whatever the goal happens to be. Because I think we're doing a lot of technology first. Uh, but you did also mention exactly, the but the technology changes. The technology changes all the time. Oh yeah. Every time we make and we start implementing Saudi technology solutions, they're out of date, you know, by the time we implement, especially when we start doing it for like large organizations, think about the technology that it's selected, even just the design phase, even of a, a project that's actually really has a quick turnaround. By the time it's completed, most of the time, the specs are out of date. Yeah. And we don't really think that actually at all point with all the technology, but you know, the goal itself, exactly what goals do we want to achieve? Okay, great. And you know, and I had this, and you know, just to give you the answer, the biggest, you know, challenge and the biggest barrier to implementing, you know, in this case, like digital twin or you know, technology is 
you know, procurement. The <laughs> our procurement process, yeah. which has never really changed forever, and we also know, and I can tell you, whatever country is the same, uh, historically, and it just doesn't have the flexibility to make those very important changes and provisions for the future because you bid for something and need to deliver what you bid, you know, and what you said you were going to deliver. Uh, and you can't change and deviate from that. And especially when we start doing and thinking about digital twinning, it's like, we don't know what 10, 15 years, you know, 20, 30, oh, yeah. 50 years ago is going to be available. So now you tell me the whole point of digital twinning is certainly the biggest benefits in the long term and of an asset, an asset we're talking hundreds of years. There's just no way you know what technology is going to be available. So that is when most of the time I the way I try to solve it is like what data do you think you're going to need and focus on those data insights and just keep changing the technology that allows you to create that. Right. So if you put the data as the center point and the, inform the, the information, right? Or oh, that is the goal. This is what I want to achieve. So to achieve that, I need that information. And then you always keep the, the information that will never change. You either are going to have a lot more information available thanks to technology and because also sometimes it gets cheaper, big, better, yeah. you know, sensors and so on. But the goals never change. The technology will always evolve. And that is when I think we need to be better at just trying to fast-paced, you know, that in our construction world. Yeah. That's our biggest problem. Yeah, yeah. And, and you yeah, know, because we don't know what we don't know. But let's let's take a little um, trip to the future because I know you do spend a lot of time thinking about what's next. And so let's go 20, 25 years, like past that edge that you live on on a day-to-day -day basis. And you can bring with you, you know, anything, any service or thing or gadget that would just make your life better on a personal level. What would it be and what would it do? So I think a couple of years ago, probably would have something different. I think the priorities or the needs of whatever. Um, teletransportation. Yeah, I, think, I like that. I think it's just. Especially because of the experience that we all went through uh, worldwide, the fact that I was living in a country which is currently uh, still with closed borders, uh, you you really understand what your biggest you know need is, which is teletransport yourself and hug the person that you need to hug uh, because yes you we might be able you know right now in being you know from two sides in the world and communicate you know and everything but there are part things that we can't replace we can't you know it, I don't think we'll ever be able to transmit the smell of the taste of like the people right we'll never you know technology probably never replicate that and I think this personal connection will always be there. So, um, yeah, teletransportation. No, yeah. I I love that I'm with you, and I think that's a um, just a perfect example of using technology to elevate the human experience. You know, I think I think we all need to do a little bit more of that. 
Christina, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. I cannot wait to jump in and start complaining about things on in your clubhouse. <laughs> no, actually, you, you, you now need to promise something, which you're going to come as a guest in one oh, of my clubhouse. A hundred percent. This has been so much fun. We'll have to have you back because I think we need to talk about many, many, many more things. Uh, But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me.